everyone. Welcome to the Take 43 podcast presented by Rhino. My name is Drew Williams. And I am Aaron Colborn. And we have a awesome guest today. Rad guy. Mitchell yeah. Wu. Yeah, Mitchell Wu is a friend of mine. He is a professional toy photographer. Yeah, it was, and it's even more interesting than it sounds. And it already sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, really, really cool guy. Uh, before we get into things, you should go check out his Instagram page at, what's it at, Drew? It's at Mitchell Wu Photography. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-L. WU photography. And we'll link that in the in the description as well. So you can go check it out because we're going to talk about a lot of specific images that he has. Yeah, he references his Instagram page a lot. Yeah. So yeah, let's get right into it. To get the look that I want, I'm using explosions, compressed air, and throwing dirt. I'm Mitchell Wu from Los Angeles, and I'm a toy photographer. Yeah. What really drew me to this medium was the ability to tell incredible stories. And to be able to get back to my childhood. Yeah. I'm self-taught. I don't have an assistant. I wear all the hats. You have a couple seconds to capture somebody's attention. To tell a story within that shot. I was recruited by Disney and they moved me to Los Angeles, which was amazing. Maybe my greatest failure was not realizing earlier that I shouldn't be stuck doing something that I don't enjoy. That playfulness and that joy, that's the key. Mitch, how are you, man? I really appreciate you hopping on with this. I met you through uh, Lytra. Uh, you use those products uh, in your amazing photography. You have a very niche set of skills within the photography world that are just super admirable. Before we go into the nitty gritty of the toy photography, let's, let's talk about how all, the, all this started. I'm uh, sure. You know, um, I went to art school. I have a degree in illustration. And uh, the interesting thing about that is, and I'm probably not unique in this, is that I had a very specific path that I imagined myself being on when I got out of art school. And that was to be an illustrator, illustrating um, book covers, magazine covers, uh, even movie posters. Um, but as soon as I got out of art school, I was presented with an opportunity to design, um, to create these designs for these ceramic that would be turned into ceramic figurines. And I thought, that's cool. I'm still being paid for, you know, to draw and to illustrate. So I, I took that opportunity. One thing led to another, and I ended up doing that for the next 20 years, where I was a product design and product developer. Um, and it led to some amazing opportunities. I don't regret it because it led to everything that I have in my life right now, including my family and what I'm doing right now professionally. But it's just one of those things where I think, like, if I was to speak to my younger self, it would be, you know, be careful what you do out of art school because um, simple, what you think are simple decisions could have lifelong impact. Again, no regrets. But I just look back now and I know I, and it's so easy for me to see where I got off this original path that I imagined myself being in. So 20 years, um, product design, product development. I worked for Disney for six years. I worked for Warner Brothers, Cirque du Soleil. I did a lot of product design and product development for a lot of entertainment companies and movie studios, which really kind of um, set the stage for what I'm doing now. But there was a long path in between those two points. Um, in 2006, uh, I lost my older brother suddenly and unexpectedly. And at the same time, um, I had the highest paying job of my life, but it was also the like the worst job of my life. So these two things combined um, really, you know, you always hear people saying, you know, life is short. You got to do what's important to you. Um, and you you hear that or maybe you lose somebody and you think about that for a little while, but then you just get caught up in the rat race again, all the BS of life. Um, but this time that did not happen. It really impressed on me that 
like, what am I doing? It's like, I'm not even being creative anymore. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. This was not what I imagined myself doing. So 2006, I decided that um, I was going to just leave that rat race. And I just wanted to pick up a camera and, and be a professional photographer. I enjoyed photography for years. I never owned a DSLR or, or just any kind of professional camera, really. I used a point and shoot up into that, up into that moment. Um, I did get a camera. My first camera was a, a Canon Rebel XTI. And I, I'll never forget the first day I had that camera, I went out and I took a bunch of pictures. I was so excited. Got home, um, put them in the computer. Every single one of them was blurry. Literally every oh, single no. photo was blurry. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, okay. So obviously I realized this was um, this was not going to be as easy as I thought, you know, coming from a point and shoot. Yeah, a little sure. na- A little, a little naive, I think. Um, but I was, con- I was dead set on doing that. Um, I, you know, I started off with lifestyle doing, you know, headshots and um, portraits some senior photos, eventually found my way into wedding photography. And I'm pretty sure that no one ever set out and said, I'm going to be a wedding photographer. But oh man, but my... we've all done it, haven't we? <laughs> Every <laughs> single one of us. And I, I bet my story is not that different. I have a neighbor who's, whose mom was widowed and we were friends and she said, oh, I'm going to get remarried. Would you, would you shoot my wedding? And of course I couldn't say no. Right. Um, and it was only then that I really started to look at what was being done in wedding photography because I the only wedding photography I was I remember was from like like a long time ago and it was pretty cheesy um, but when I saw what was being done back when I first started it was like wow there's like the quality is amazing first of all and the um, there's just there was just so much so much artistry to it so I was all in after that so I, I photographed weddings for probably the next I don't know seven or eight years I shot you know hundreds of weddings um, I loved it um, until my daughter um, was entering high school. And then I realized that I was going to be missing so much of what she was doing because weddings are weekend killers, as you know. So yep. it was, yeah, it was in 2015 when she was going into high school that I, that I just said, okay, this is the last year I'm shooting weddings. I got to find something else. And right along, right around the same time is, um, is when I, when toy photography kind of came into my um, field of view. My nephew was shooting toys very crudely. I mean, he he ended up being like an amazing force in toy photography. But at the time, he was uh, he, his stuff was like really. I thought it was really cheesy. Like one photo he had was I saw on Facebook of a like a Ninja Turtle um, soaring across the sky on a BMX bike, and I'm thinking, well, that is that is just that's that's just ridiculous. But at the same at this at the same time at the same time I'm going, how did he do that? Like. Like, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking this. I'm thinking, did he just throw that up in the air and just like, uh, until he got the shot? Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. And um, clearly that's not how it's done, but that's what I thought. That'd and be quite a process people, though, huh? Yeah. Oh, it, it, it would be, it'd be brutal. It'd be brutal. Especially with and your then, out of focus camera. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but even today people think that they think, oh, how'd you do that? So I almost, I almost hate to tell them, but I do, you know, but, but so that was um, 2015, late 2015. And, um, you know, he said, "Hey, Uncle Mitch, next time you come to San Francisco, bring your bring your camera. I'll bring you out and we'll shoot some toys." Um, of course, I came from wedding photography and other types of photography, so I had all of the gear. I had none of the toys. He lent me a couple stormtroopers, and we went to a park. And I I I still have that photo. Like, if you were to be brave enough to to scroll all the way down through my Instagram feed over five years worth, you would see one of the first foi- Actually, the very first toy photo I took was of uh, 
these stormtroopers like that I placed in the crook of a tree and like they were walking through the, the tree was pretty cool. It almost looked like a Canyon. Um, and it, and it holds up pretty decently today, but obviously it was my first one. So there was no storytelling. Right. Um, and also like one of my pet peeves is like now if I see an image or my own image where if there's something that throws this, the toy out of scale and, and makes it more unbelievable, it's like, it's like, that's a, that's a huge thing I'm always looking for in my own work. And so of course he, there's, these guys are standing on top of a bunch of leaves. So maybe in space they have giant trees where the leaves are the <laughs> right. size of their bodies, <laughs> <Right>. but otherwise, <laughs> but otherwise it was taken away from the, from the reality or the potential believability of the image. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how it started. And, and from the, literally from the very first time that I took the photo, it's like, I saw the potential to create a career out of it, especially since I needed a career since I, I already was basically, right. I didn't know what I was going to do. It's almost like those stormtroopers were walking on indoor at a, oh. <laughs> with massive, <laughs> massive leaves yeah, and huge trees. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, the stuff you do, you, like you said, you tell lots of stories with it, but I'm curious about like the inspiration for them. Do you tend to start with character and you work something you know a scenario out of that character that you dig or do you start maybe with a scenario and work in a character a little bit of both you know just i'm just curious where you get your inspiration from yeah so i mean if we're talking about personal work obviously with the client or professional work right um you know i'm staying close to the script of whatever that character is but for my own work um, like for example when i first started like with those stormtroopers um, I went home and I started buying my own. Of course, the first toys that I bought were stormtroopers. And it literally was almost what everybody, like the toy photography was photographing that time. I think um, I think a new Star Wars movie was, was like on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And it was the first in so many years. So everybody was all hyped up about it. So I was like on that bandwagon. I was shooting stormtroopers. And although I, I do like the star Wars properties and I've seen every movie and I love the Mandalorian, I am no, I am, I'm not what you consider a super fan. Like right. I couldn't tell you all the different characters or, or even the storylines throughout the movies. Right. But they have great um, designs, just thought, right? Yeah. But I just thought they were cool. And of course yeah. the, the, like I'm not one of those guys, like in the last movie, everybody was up, up in arms about this or that. And you know, the fans are really hardcore. They can, they can be, be something. Super, yeah. Oh, like they can be super, super harsh. Yeah. As a fan, um, I can say that is absolutely true. We've, ta- we've, <laughs> we've I, talked about like, that too. Yeah. I'm not like that. So like, but for me, it's like, okay, I figured out that, you know what? I just wasn't feeling it with shooting star Wars. Right. Um, and what I found quite soon was that, you know, the, the best images, at least for me, are ones that I have, an, like the toys that I have an emotional collect- connection with. So for me, it's nostalgia, like the toys that I grew up with um, or the movies that I grew up watching or the TV shows like Batman or Superman. But more but more likely, it's like the, sh- the movies, the toys, and the stories that my daughter grew up with because I got to oh, live right. through all of that through her. So that's why you'll see a lot of Toy Story, like in my feed. You'll see some months. You'll see a lot of Pixar in general. Right away, that kind of set me apart from what everybody else was doing, which which really is not a bad thing. Um, right. But but more to your question about what how does like how do I come up with the ideas? My daughter has grown up watching these characters that I photograph, and for almost any character that's out there in pop culture or in toys or in movies or whatever it is, we we're basically told about these characters by the writers, by the director, whoever the creative is that's that's driving the series or the book or whatever it is. So we have expectations of what these characters are based on what we've been told. 
we've almost been force fed basically just because that's how stories are told we right. there's character development um but for me like i'm always wondering okay so i know how a particular character is portrayed to us in the films but like okay so what are they like when they're like when they're off of work, right? Right. So how, what do they do in their spare like, time? Yeah. What, what do they do when they relax? So I always like to go back to the example of like Darth Vader. We know he's a villain. Um, we know that he's like he force chokes people. <laughs> he loves to do that. I mean, he causes a lot of misery across the galaxy. Um, but when he's not working, when he goes back to his cabin on the Death Star or wherever he's at, I mean, does he? keep his mask on does he keep his helmet on does he keep his you know his boots on or right and is he and is he you know i guess the question is are people evil 24 7 i don't think so <laughs> i really don't think so so like there's some good there's some good like ideas to mine out of that so like one right. of the images that came out of that was darth vader pushing a stormtrooper on a swing and <laughs> and it's really it's it's kind of jarring to see something like that just because it's so unexpected. But that, but that's Absolutely. really my point. That's really my point. I think so. If you go through my feed, you could see numerous examples of of characters that we all know to be one way, but right. I have I have them doing something in a different way. So that's that's definitely one of the one of the areas I get ideas from. Yeah, uh, one of my one of the favorite pictures of yours that I saw when I was scrolling through your feed was I'm a huge Rocky fan, and you have one where it's uh, Rocky and you're playing with the with his scale, right? So he's punching hot dogs instead of in in the first movie he uh, he practices on sides of beef and uh, exactly. uh, in, in that meat locker, and so seeing him punching hot dogs, I thought that was hilarious. And nostalgia is a big thing for me too, and, and Rocky's a big part of that. I, I love. Of the Rocky movies and that and that first one was it was such an impact. I remember me and my buddy, my best friend at the time. Oh man, I, I forget what year it was late seventies, I think, right? And we were, I guess, no, it had to be before that. Anyway, there's that scene where he's like cracking raw eggs and he's, oh, and yeah, he's eating the cup, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and my buddy, we got home from school and we went to my house and we we cracked a couple <laughs> eggs. And, oh man! Oh no! It was, it was the first and last time I ever did that. Yeah, I'll bet. So gross. So gross. <laughs> That's hilarious. But anyway, yeah. So like, I love that scene in the in the um in the meat locker. Mm -hmm. He's cracking those ribs, and so I thought, oh yeah, I want to I want to redo that, but I want to use these hot dogs. So I, I, and I specific, it was, this was done not, not terribly long after I first started shooting toys, but mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get the effect that he was smashing those things. So I, I purposely like broke a couple of pieces open. So it looked like the impact of the hit really busted him up. That's but what awesome. was interesting, what was interesting was that after I created that image, there was like, uh, I started to see other people doing images of like, there was one where Bruce Lee was like using the hot dog as a kicking, like a punching bag and just kicking it. <laughs> I, was starting to, I was starting to see these hot dogs used all over the place. Uh, that's then. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And you, you're right. You tell such a good story. There's such a long, I mean, it feels like I'm looking at, you know, two minutes of, of frames rather than just looking at one second of a frame or one frame in general. Like, you know, you have Sully and Mike Wazowski here and he's dumping visine in his red eye and just like, <laughs> which is just hilarious. Cause he's all eyeball. Yeah. Cause he's all eyeball. Another one that was my favorite was Rex. Uh, you had him looking in a mirror and then he looked like an actual, oh, like the T-Rex from I'm guessing Jurassic Park. Yeah. So it was, but it was Rex from Toy Story. Right, right, right. Looking at like a T-Rex from maybe Jurassic Park. Yeah. or, or a, a, a monster in general, or I should say a dinosaur in general. It's just like, there's just so much going on. There's so much movement. And I think that's what really sets you apart. And I can tell, you know, that there's some of these that are client work and some of these are just for fun and your own way of telling a story, but you have a client list that's super admirable. So you mentioned Disney, 
and we'll get into some of the Disney Plus stuff later, but you said you worked for Cirque du Soleil in the past. You worked for Disney in the past. I know you work for Disney kind of now, correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I mean, how do you get involved with these key properties like that, especially in such a niche market? So it's really interesting. Um, going from being a wedding photographer who I felt I had like very little power in who I could work with and the rates that I could charge, um, because I worked literally probably in the most most um, competitive um, portion of wedding photographers. I probably had packages starting at around... 2500 and then maybe they topped out at about 4 grand and you know any anywhere around the 2 to 3000 range i think you're like in the mix of like thousands of wedding photographers so it's it, it was like always a struggle to to kind of you know i made a living i would never say that i was absolutely thriving i was i felt like i was a solid pretty talented wedding photographer. Um, but going from that situation to like ending up in a super narrow niche um, and a niche that I won't say I own, but I definitely um, have a very strong presence in, it's like night and day. And so with that has come a lot of... Um, a lo and I have to say that, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree that being a toy photographer, there's I won't say a sideshow freak. I will definitely not say that. <laughs> but, it's a but, harsh, but, but. <laughs> but I will say that it's definitely um, a cross between an oddity and a novelty to 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 like the media. So it's mm, yeah. in a good way, in yeah. a very good way, which is how I ended up like doing the documentary on um, Disney Plus called Marvel Six One Six, and how I've gotten like very smaller documentaries and tons of features. Um, like I can't even, yeah, there's so many features with magazines and newspapers around the world. And it's all because it's a, a relatively, still a relatively unknown, um, I'll say art form for lack of a better word, because people just haven't seen it. For sure. I could walk down, I could walk down the street and tell people what I do and they don't, you know, I'll get the blank stare. Yeah, it's definitely a, a unique, uh, a unique job that you have for sure. Um, I'm curious. You, you brought up Marvel Six One Six. How did you end up involved in that? Because I just watched that the other night. It's super, super cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and that ties into the, the the original question that you guys just asked was like, how do how do I hook up with these companies? It's, um, you know, I, I really, it like I would say that 100 percent of it has been them approaching me. Like I don't reach out to, I haven't reached out to anybody. I've tried reaching out when I first started photographing toys and it was before I built a name for myself or had become established, I would reach out to like most of the toy companies. Um, I, I reached out so many times to Disney and for the most part, I would like, if I didn't get a no, I would just hear crickets. Right. Right. So, so yeah. So I think um, it's, it's strange. It really, like if I look back, it really, I would say that things like really started to snowball and like, towards the end of 2019 and beginning 2020. Um, but so for like the Marvel 616, I was, I think a lot of it has to do with like, if you Google toy photographer, like I'll come up all over that first page. Like I'm the, at, at the very top of that page. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm almost down that whole first page. So oh, wow. like if somebody's looking for a toy photographer and they Google that, which is probably what they'd Google, um, they're going to find me. There's no way that you can miss me. So I have a feeling 
like I never asked how they found me. Um, it was either through Instagram or it was by Googling me, I'm sure. Right. Um, but that's, that's probably how most people find me as well. Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Hmm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus, they're never bright enough. Mm -hmm. Never. But one day, a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact, yet powerful, and with professional-grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bi-color, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproofed, you name it, Lytra's it. That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. I've always believed that if you do good enough work and are able to get it seen, you're you're going to you know, you're going to build a, an audience or, or get hired. And so, but the hardest part of that is getting seen. So you kind of got that one and then that just kind of multiplied into people actually seeing your work and the fact you did a good job at it. People are like, well, let's hire this guy. Yeah. And also the fact that you were like, yeah, this is an oddity. And especially if you mention that to someone, if you mention it to someone, it'll have, it absolutely sounds like an oddity, but then if yeah. you see your work, it, it, it falls under the line of professionalism. I mean, right. it's exactly what Disney and those companies are looking for. Yeah, well, you clearly have a particular set of skills that not just every photographer has. Yes, um, absolutely agree. There was, uh, I had a reach out from an advertising agency in the UK and they were looking for somebody to, there's these real, they're the number two candy company in the world right behind Mars. They're called um, Kinder. Oh yeah, Kinder, and, I love Kinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they, I guess they have these Kinder eggs um, and they had toys inside of them. And so they wanted me, they wanted me to work on a campaign uh, of building these images around all these little toys, these wildlife toys that are inside these eggs. And the person at the agency said, you know, normally we have like, we have our regular photographers that we work with. Um, and we did talk to them, but nobody basically, as you know, I mean, a lot of them are good at lifestyle or, right. you know, they're high or, you know, they're commercial photographers, but that, like this is something completely different. So mm -hmm. although I have no doubt that they could probably nail it, um, given time, it's like it's hard to come out of the box and just start shooting toys. You right. Know? When you're a big company, so, might as well hire somebody that's right for that job instead of just get somebody and hope they can do it okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I I think that's I think that goes to um goes to the strength of like being in a really narrow niche because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I listened to this guy, his name is Blair ends and he speaks about pricing, but he also, he also speaks about um, specializing and you know, what he says about specializing, I couldn't agree more. He says, most people are afraid to specialize because they think they're going to be too confined. There's not going to be enough opportunities and they think they'll get bored, like just doing one thing over and over. But he says, and which I 100% agree, is that you have a door, you walk through that door and you expect to just find that one thing. But what you end up finding is that there are so many more doors that are going to open up to you mm -hmm. and it's, and it's like proven itself over time and time again. So I, I totally 100% agree, with that. agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And you've perfected that line of work. Whereas if you were taking every job you can get and doing all kinds of other things, you wouldn't be able to focus on that as, as hard. Yeah, and you're able to specialize. Yeah, yeah. You specialize in it. And then obviously, like you said, more of those doors open, but you've got to get through that one door first. Um, an example of that is I shot a toy commercial 
like three years ago. And I remember growing up watching Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and seeing all of these, you know, whoopity do, like, wabba bow, like these, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you know, like the game show, like, uh, or, you know, Gator <laughs> Golf. Yeah, exactly. And like the candy company, you know, sugar, sugar, sugar. And like, there's, you know, and you grow up watching that stuff. And then you, you think in your head when you get the job, you're like, oh, this is going to be easy. But I was working with children and like, Oof. and there was a lot of kids and, it was just a lot. Wow. Yeah, it was just different, you know, and it wasn't something that I was used to. I was like, oh, take me back to the music video. Yeah, uh, right. You know, like, <laughs> just like somebody walking around singing. Yeah. It's so much easier. Yeah, like, it's so much, it's just so much more different. And it just to your point, like, you don't maybe sometimes realize that until you're already out there. So kudos to you for, for being able to go through that first door and all those other doors opening. Now, I do want to talk about the setups in general because I've seen some videos. Obviously, we'll get into 616 here in a little bit. And then we, uh, I also saw a one minute documentary on YouTube, uh, which is what we played earlier before your episode came on. We played the audio from that and, um, you have some elaborate setups, but they're also fairly simple. Uh, let's talk about maybe one of your most elaborate and complicated setups you've done. And then I also want to move into some post-production questions after that. So let's talk about those setups. Yeah, sure. Um, so I can talk about my most difficult setup, but I bet that if I were to do it today, because it was done quite a while ago, that maybe it wouldn't be as difficult, but I'm not sure because I'm not going to redo it. All right. Let's <laughs> hear about this I, learning I, process. <laughs> but I will talk about it. So it's an image of, um, and I don't even know where it is in my Instagram feed. It's down there a ways because this was like probably a year, within the year that I first started taking photos. It was a, it was an image of Woody and... Um, I always want to think it's his girlfriend, Jesse, but, but I always go, oh, yeah. you know, people always correct me on that. It's not his girlfriend. You would anyway, they just dress alike. They're both cow people. Bo Peep is the, is the girlfriend. Oh, correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> right. correct. Bo Peep is the girlfriend. But anyways, so I had Woody. He's cracking a raw egg into a small frying pan. Yep. And Jesse is sitting, is standing next to him and he's got a, and she's got a spoonful of flour. And the premise is they're going to, he, he's going to cook something up in the pan. But anyway, so I had the two empty shells, like a, each half of the shell um, in, in his hands. So it's as if he's cracking it and the egg is going into the pan. So first of all, I had to prop up Woody's hands because it, they're very loose. They'll just come down with the littlest of weight. Um, second of all, the, the, and the, one of the, one of the hardest parts was to capture that liquid egg slash yolk mm -hmm. falling into the pan midair. I had this vision in my head and literally I had to go through probably a dozen eggs before I got that shot. Because <laughs> what I didn't realize is that once because just imagine that I'm pouring that egg yolk into his into that empty shell, so it's pouring out. But as soon as it, I, I forget what I poured it out of. But as soon as it left whatever I was holding, it moved at basically the speed of light from the <laughs> it's just, true. just because it's so of the true. weight. <laughs> just because of the weight, it went so fast, and um, it was it was like one probably to this day it was probably one of the most frustrating sh setups that I'd, I'd ever done. It was so time consuming to set up. It was surprisingly time consuming to shoot. And then it was probably equally as long to edit. So it was just a kind of a nightmare all the way around. Of course, I learned a lot from it. And one of the things I learned was probably never to do that shot again. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that was probably the most difficult setup that I'd done. Um, but, but in general, I would say that the, the most difficult setups for me are like multi-characters um, in one shot doing a variety of things. Maybe they're all suspended on, or su on they're all um, supported on wires, 
and or they're just precariously positioned in a way that they just want to fall over all the time. Right. So those are typically the most um, technically time-consuming to set up. Because, you know what, I, I don't think you can, like, if you look at an image, like any of my images, and you see the story, and you think, okay, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. What you're not seeing, hopefully, is that there's an awkwardness there due to a poorly posed character. So I, right. I would say one of the one of the most important, but probably the the um, least recognized skill of toy photography is really like posing, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't notice it when it's done right, but man, you notice it when it's done wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it, it's crazy because you have. In that shot, particularly, you have like a really small pan. It looks like you maybe just shot that on a cutting board, and the background isn't is very soft, so I can't tell what's going on back there. But you would think when I ask what's the most complicated setup, it wouldn't be because of an egg. But then when you look at the shot, you're like, oh, well, of course, because it's coming out of the speed of right. light. And then that <laughs> <laughs> that that being said, that being said, I mean, there's all kinds of shots uh, of like dirt flying up and and water being sprayed and bubbles and there's all kinds of these shots in, in your feed and from what I've seen on the Disney plus series. And I saw a little bit on the six one six episode for Marvel about how you do use, you know, you composite quite a bit. Uh, how much compositing are you doing? Like how much post-production really goes on in these images? So I try to get as much obviously in camera that I can. So like all the dirt that you see flying around, all the splashing liquids, all the fire, the explosions, those are all created practically, um, obviously, and that's what makes it fun. And I'm pretty sure that's what makes it um, fun for people to put into documentaries and stuff too, because right. you're not going to get the same attention if you're sitting in front of a computer doing this digitally. Mm-hmm. So thank goodness I'm not good at doing stuff digitally like that because <laughs> that's not my thing. Right. Um, but but having said that, that like for example. Um, there's and look at any of my splash images, especially when like where it's really critical. Like I have I have one that I did for uh, Disney, the Toy Story four image of of uh, of um, what's his name Duke Kaboom, which is voiced by Keanu Reeves on a motorcycle, and he's kicking over a glass of milk onto Forky, who's holding a chocolate chip cookie. So in that case, the splash is like I consider splashes a lot of times to be like the the secondary character of my images because they're so right. they're so important to telling the story. So I will try to get um, obviously the best. I'll t- I'll take a bunch of photos of splashes when I'm doing the setup and when I'm taking the f- the photos because I want to give myself the best chance possible to get the splash that I want. But there's often times when I'll get there like maybe seventy five percent out of a splash, in which case I'll want to take. 25% of another splash just to make that what I think is like pretty much the perfect splash for that story. So those are the kind of cases where I'll composite quite a bit, whether it's like um, an explosion from a firework. Um, you know what? I wish there were some sparks coming out over here. Oh, wait, I have that from another image. I'll go ahead and take that from that other image and I'll uh-huh. put it into the main image. Yeah. So those are more of the, uh, probably the more like better examples of how I composite um, and the ones that I would do more often than any other kind of compositing. Although having said that, like if you're on my Instagram feed, you'll see that three images back. I did a, um, a, a really strange photo of um, Smeagol or Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So in that case, I only had one rancor. So that was a case of my having to envision the composition and what and the story I wanted to tell and take these separate like images of that rancor in the different positions throughout the frame. Obviously, the focus is locked on Gollum. So the one in the further back would be nice and blurry. The ones up front would be a little blurry. The ones right next to it would be super sharp. So in that case, I did quite a bit of compositing because I only had that. If I had, if I had one, two, three, four, five. If I had six rancors, I wouldn't have done any compositing. You know, right, but, right. You can't tell. Yeah. You cannot tell. It looks just like they're running right with Gollum on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things about your photography, and I was saying this to Drew, is I feel like all your pictures have a really great sense of momentum to them, and I think it's those those elements like the water splashes and the dirt flying and the sparks that really like I think really set the photo off for me. You have such a cool job. Uh, I mean, uh, people like me, you know, jealous that that's what you get, you get to do full time, but what does like a typical day look like for you? I mean, you know, do you, are you shooting five days a week? Do you shoot maybe twice a week and, you know, uh, do post-production work, the rest of it, just, just trying to get a, an idea of what it looks like for you. Yeah. I wish there was like a, uh, an easy answer to that. When I first, I could, it was real easy when I first started, um, toy photography because, it, and everything was easy back then because, I didn't shoot at home. I would go to a local park that's called Vasquez Rocks. And they they actually shot like a um, one of the original Star Trek episodes there. And they did uh, they did um, Galaxy Quest. They filmed some oh, scenes there. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah with the the yeah. big slanted rock there. Exactly. From Star Trek. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He fights the, I think it's the Gorn. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that. That park is amazing. It's like you go there and you feel like you're on another planet. Literally, it looks like, kind of like Tatooine. Mm-hmm. But um, so I would go there and I was so new at doing this that I would have like a million ideas in my head. I don't know if they were good ideas, but some of them I think were good. So I would go to the park and I'd have a like a piece of notepaper with 10 ideas scribbled out. And I would spend like a good part of the day there and I'd go home having shot maybe seven or eight of them. And then, you know, I'd have like seven or eight photos in the bag that keep me on Instagram posting one per day for a week. I, I was in good shape. That was um, five years ago. Um, and, but of course I wasn't doing any like client work because I was right. so new. I was, it was all just really just like, ex- like gaining experience. Um, but now it's like, like, uh, well, I haven't gone to that park in quite a while because I figured out that I can do almost anything either on my porch or in my backyard on right. the patio. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't do that as much anymore. Although when I look at that Gollum picture, I, I kind of feel like I want to go back and shoot some more. I spend a lot more time kind of like focusing on reaching out and mm-hmm. the marketing aspect. And usually that just has to do with like staying busy on social media and posting and, and then client work. I'm either like prepping for a shot or I'm, setting up the scene for a shot or I'm shooting it or I'm editing. And that seems to be kind of like the pattern these days because I've been pretty busy. So like I've always, I'm always in in one of those stages. Yeah. So I've just finished, let's see, I just finished um, a cool Batman image and I'm going to send those out later. And I need to, after this, I need to go right into a behind the scenes I did for like, I'm, I'm working on this um, project for space, the new Space Jam movie with oh, LeBron cool. James. Awesome. Yeah, it's the toy. It's the toys for that. So I'm going to do a behind the scenes for that. That's right. Um, can you yeah, uh, so, can you say anything more about that, or is it a uh, pretty locked down? Pretty on locked it, down. Because <laughs> we're pretty excited for that. That's my childhood wrapped up right there. Space Jam one. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So um, yeah, I I mean I can I can say that you know the toy company reached out and 
I had worked with them previously, but not with this one division or this one individual who reached out to me. I'd done some other work for them a couple of years ago, which was cool. All part of my growing process. Yeah. And it's basically they have the they have the master toy license, this company. So awesome. basically they they have the action figures and so this is the campaign to get the to get their toys out in front of the world, basically timed timed with the movie release pretty much. That's, so it that's was fun. Really cool. I mean you could imagine you could imagine the toys. It's LeBron and Toon some Squad. Of the to- yeah, the Toon Squad basically. Monster so. Squad. <laughs> that's so, so cool. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a really fun property to work on, obviously. It starts, like, my process usually with clients is to come up with a, um, I, I say a concept sketch, but usually it's it's more like um, photo, like quick iPhone photo composites of the characters in situations that I envision them in. And then, like, for me, it's like, I want I want everything to be approved at the concept stage for me because mm-hmm. and this is this was all learned the hard way. This was all learned in the most brutal way that you can imagine. All the best all lessons the things, are, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So and I'm still learning obviously. It's like, oh man, that was that was bad. I gotta add this to the to the future list on how to handle things. So that's where I'm at now. I've covered a lot of things, but I like to I like to get all approvals done at the concept stage because once I set up and go into photography, if there's any changes that come after the fact, that could often mean a total, you know, I got to, I got to start from scratch sometimes. And so it's, uh, it's all made very clear up front that, you know, approvals are done. And unless I've, unless I deviate from the concept greatly, but if the client comes back and they want to change, there's going to be, there's going to be costs involved and there's going to be time, time and costs involved. So, mm-hmm. and believe me, that was a painful lesson I had to learn one time quite a while ago. Yeah. You don't have to work backwards anymore. I think with what you're doing, it's so tedious and time consuming with, with how you have to do things. I mean, there's no other way to plan that. All right. You do those iPhone. I'd love to see maybe what, what those look like too. Just those just like, it's like a mo- images. concept images, like a mood board, almost like what we do for storytelling, except you, you got the characters pretty much there and kind of the scenario shot. I think that that's really cool. I kind of want to go back in time a little bit. Cause I know that you had an exhibit at the New York toy fair. I think it was with Mattel. Is that correct? Um, it's it's. Uh, I know why you say that because Mattel was like right behind where my gallery space oh, was. That that's exactly <laughs> why I said it because it was like all your images and then Mattel was back there. But it sounds like that's not what it was with. So, but you had pictures around the toy fair on at this exhibit. You were giving a speech. You were it looks like you were teaching some people. It looks like you had like a live set there where you could spray some water and get some shots. Uh, what was that like? Tell us. That looked really fun. Yeah, so it was definitely like one of the most epic weeks of definitely my professional life and maybe, you know, definitely up there for just life in general. So it was earlier in 2019 where I had um, the executive vice president of whew, what's her title? Something worldwide events or something for the Toy Association. The Toy Association is like the governing body. I'm not sure if it's a governing body, but it's the association that all of the toy companies in North America fall under, basically. Um, and they put on the largest, they put on all the toy fair, the, the industry conventions for the toy industry. And the one in New York at the Javits Center happens to be the largest that they do. And it's one of the largest in North America and maybe the second or third largest in the world. Um, but she reached out and she kind of floated the idea of maybe my doing an exhibit at Toy Fair and and she would bring me in to do like um, for a speaking engagement 
And I wasn't sure what to make of that at first because it's something that was so unexpected and not even on my radar or something that that would come up for me. And so it was it took it took me a while for, to wrap my head around it. Um, but eventually I did contact her. You know, I was honestly, to be honest, I was kind of um, I don't want to say scared, but I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't I was a little insecure about the whole situation, especially speaking a speaking engagement because oh, sure I, I don't that, know. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. But, <laughs> yes, but the answer is yes. Of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, you know, we're not alone. A lot of creatives and photographers and in general, I think, are more on the inhibited mm-hmm. side. Um, that's why we're behind the camera and not in front of it, I think. So true. But, right. but I'm also like, I've kind of like, you know, I'm in my 50s now and I've realized that I've got to, like, I can't let these kind of things, like, hold me back. Like, if I feel like they're, like, it, it could take me to a different level or or if I can grow personally and professionally from it, I'm going to force myself to do it. And that's exactly, that's exactly why I decided to do it. And along the same time, there was a couple, three things happening at the same time. The other thing, the only, the other reason which you brought up, I was shooting water and stuff there, is, is I was, I had just um, had a contract with this company called Schleich. And they're based in Germany, but they have a U.S. Uh, division here. So it's like USA. And, and they approached me about representing their brand for the year of 2020 because they had this amazing campaign called The Power of Imagination. And in a nutshell, it was taking kids' ideas um, and creating images from those ideas. So they got all these kids together. They videotaped them for like a whole afternoon playing with these with their toys, which is dinosaurs and wildlife animals and fantasy creatures. They sent me um, kind of a, an edited down video of that. And there was like maybe an hour or two hours worth of video on it of these kids playing with these various, you know, they're playing make-believe and they're coming up with these really crazy ideas. And I got to choose six of those ideas and create images from them. So it was a really unique idea. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. And so part of that contract was me going to Toy Fair. They were going to have a booth. Um, They had two booths. One was more of a typical booth where they could sell out of. And then there was this one booth that was in the main lobby of Javits. And it was basically for, to be like a working studio for me where I could shoot toys and I could answer questions and show people how I did stuff. So there was that, which was super cool. Um, but the toy, the toy association brought me in. Um, it was mind blowing. They had me cut the ribbon with um, Shaquille O'Neal, which was, (laughs) yeah, which was, and what was weird was that he wasn't even supposed to be there in the picture. Like they were just going to have me cut the ribbon, which already I was like, like my mind was blown already. It's like, what? I'm not, I'm not worthy. <laughs> right, know? right. And, and then, and then they, like this person, her name is Marion Bassard, the person that brought me in, she contacted me, she says, oh, we had a toy company contact us and they were wondering if Shaq could cut the ribbon with you and you let me know how you feel about that and then I'll let them know. And so all oh, of a sudden wow. I'm getting to decide if Shaq can cut the ribbon. <laughs> You're like, no. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm so much taller than him. <laughs> so of course, I mean, this obviously worked out great because then it, it kind of like the pressure was, <laughs> the pressure was off for me cutting totally. the ribbon. Totally. Yeah. People are going to be looking at Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now I had, now I had Shaq there. He was going to do all the heavy lifting for me. L- little um, emotional but, support from Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little emotional support from Shaq. Jack, very cool dude, super huge. And it, it, you know, I no one would ever call me tall on a on a good day. So to be standing <laughs> next to that dude was like okay, he's literally two feet taller than me. Thank like God. to the like literally two feet taller than me. So he's a big dude. Um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool though. Um so that was an incredible experience. Um but and uh, and 
again, I was there for three companies. One was Schleich, one was the Toy Association, and I also was there because I did a really cool magazine cover for this magazine that did a special Toy Fair issue. Um, I did this issue of the Mandalorian throwing Baby Yoda up, kind of like. Oh, yeah, I um, saw that. Yeah, love that image. So cool. Yes, yeah. So I was there at their booth for like an hour signing signing prints of those for anybody who wanted one. So Very that cool. was That's that rad. was an amazing. And then, oh, and then the other thing was that um, Marvel Six One Six. They were there. They weren't there because of me, but they were there to do other stuff. And when they found out I was there, they spent like the first morning we were there. They showed up in my hotel room like at 5 a.m. They started photographing me, getting ready, you know, following me to Javits Center and kind of walking through the art exhibit for, with me to get my kind of my experience and my reaction. And that made it into the, that made it into the um, documentary. So that was cool. Yeah. And that has to be so satisfying to just have people get so like hyped about your work, the, just the work you do because you enjoy it. And then you just have people that, that you see it and they get hyped about it and want to talk to you more about it. Like that's got to feel great. Uh, it's, it's cool. And it's pretty, you know, coming from where I've been, it's, it's surreal as well, just because, um, you know, I could never have imagined, you know, I, I, until 2015, I never imagined that anything like, I never even knew toy photography existed before right. 2015. So, um, so it's pretty, you know, it's a lot to take in. It's pretty, pretty incredible. It all happened quick, but it's, it's well-deserved, you know? Yeah, it happened real quick, but like that was after toiling for years and many out of focus not- photos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So we talked about how a big part of, of this is making sure to get your work out there. Uh, you know, you have your Instagram account and, and stuff like that. We did notice that you started a YouTube channel and we're curious if you have any particular designs on that. Are you, are you looking to do anything that has actual motion to it? Is it, are you just squatting on it to make sure you have it or we're just curious behind the that. scenes. Yeah. Behind the scene stuff or yeah like right now i do primarily behind the scenes stuff there and okay. i it, it it ebbs and flows like sometimes i won't you know i'll neglect that channel for forever and then i'll i'll hear somebody like saying oh yeah you got to be doing this on you know whether it's a like on clubhouse or somewhere else you know it's you know youtube is very important for blah 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 and I'll, oh yeah mm-hmm. and i'll get back on there and i'll i'll go through like a little a spurt of posting things right. and content and um but i i really have you know i don't i do a lot of behind the scenes but it's all done with my iphone right and um but i have been you know if i look at my early behind the scenes to what i'm doing now i definitely see improvement so i i've been focusing more on you know, kind of like editing and iMovie, right. which I don't know, you, you may scoff at iMovie. I don't know. What- <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not at all. Aaron's an Emmy winning editor. I can tell you he used iMovie for his piece. I mean, I, no. I mean, I, I started out using, well, I guess I started out using Premiere, but, but also iMovie pretty yeah. early on as well. That, yeah. That's, I mean, that's where you got to start, you know? Yeah. And I mean, for you to be a photographer and to da- even go that direction is yeah, it's gutsy. It's and pretty gutsy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what do you guys? Is it like, is it Final Cut or what is the main editing? So I, I still use Avid is a huge one. Uh, I haven't used Avid for a little while. Uh, Premiere is the main one that I use day to day, and it's it's okay. kind of my go to anymore. It it yeah. does a pretty good job. I mean, it does a really good job actually. And you know, it used to be Final Cut. Uh, Apple messed with that a little bit, and it kind of fell out of favor with everybody that, right. that that's in post production. Um, it's still not a bad program, but they just kind of, they tweaked things a little too hard and I think, uh, got a little too far off base with it. Got away from them a little bit. I started using iMovie actually. I did that for, I don't know, maybe the first two years. And then I actually went into Sony Vegas. Vegas was a pretty good 
editing platform, and now I'm all Adobe Suite. So with Premiere, I actually have a Premiere hoodie on right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Me> nice. <too. laughs> I'm sure Adobe will be happy that you just said that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Adobe, <laughs> Adobe, call us. Adobe, yeah. hit us up. Yep. I'm wearing your gear. I'm exactly. Yeah, man. Well, it's that's really cool. I'm excited to see what you do on the YouTube channel. Like I said, it's a gutsy move to even go that direction. And uh, I think it's only going to benefit you. And, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff of you on YouTube and none of it's from your channel besides a couple of things that you've produced. So I think it's really cool. And, you know, we talked about the uh, the Space Jam stuff that's coming up. What's next for you uh, long term? I mean, where are you hoping to go with this? I mean, it sounds like you're already there. Do you have any bigger plans in the future? Um, I think that, you know, going back to the YouTube channel, I do have an idea for like a series that I would love to do. I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet, especially, um, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's so weird to, to think about what do I want to do going forward? Because what I've learned about this journey is that there's always something interesting or maybe strange or bizarre that's just around the corner waiting to rear its head. So like I was on a walk the other day with my wife, um, we're doing our usual like four to six mile walk and in the morning and I got an email from this, um, this, uh, I guess he's a producer and he was saying, Oh yeah, I represent, um, this, this television network in Germany. They're called pro Sieben, and we we're doing it. We're working on a special for, uh, this pre Oscar series that they have where we're, where we're showing, featuring interesting things happening around Hollywood leading up to the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And we're, we'd love you to be a part of it. And so I called them and um, long story short, uh, I said yes. And so we, they, they sent over um, a couple of people two days ago and they, they captured me shooting um, actually this Batman image that's in front of me right now that hmm. I'm turning over the images later. Awesome. And so, and so that, that's just another thing, but, um, because he kind of said, Oh, I really love what you do. You know, it's like, um, yeah, maybe there's something else we can do together. Maybe like a little, like, uh, and he didn't get much further with it. He didn't finish his thought, but it was along the same lines that I was thinking for this YouTube channel. So I present, I, I just kind of put a bug in his ear about, doing some kind of like almost like a reality series with uh, toy photography or toy photographers. Um, but I haven't really pitched him on, on the exact thing yet. So that's kind of like mm -hmm. the thing that's on my, my radar right now. So Mitch, we like to leave our listeners with, with a piece of advice. And I'm curious if you have anything, any, any advice for people that want to get into an industry like yours full time or just advice for being creative in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like what we spoke to before. Um, it's, it's took, it took me a very long time to learn it. It's, it's that you shouldn't like, you need to set yourself apart somehow from, mm -hmm. from all the other people. Like if you're a photographer, <laughs> you know how competitive that is. If right. you're a filmmaker, I'm sure it's um, equally competitive. If oh, you're yeah. an actor, you're com it's, it's all competitive, especially in the creative arts, um, visual arts, whatever it is. So you know, I, I've learned this just from firsthand experience. If you can find a way to separate yourself, whether that's through the service you provide, the market that you focus on, the style that you that you um, create for your own art, whatever it is, if there's a way that for you to do that, then you're just gonna um, you're gonna give yourself a much better chance of succeeding than being me back in the wedding photography days and competing with you know, thousands of other photographers doing almost exactly the same thing. So it's really, 
it's not complicated, but at the same time, I know that it's not easy to do um, because it took me forever to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And, and even if you do know, if you do know, like, even if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, would have I been able to capitalize it? I don't know. You know, it's because it, it's 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 easy enough to say I got to find a niche. I got to I got to own my right. niche. But, you know, it's not that easy. Yeah, it's actually. hard to sit down and say, like, this is my niche now. Right. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's you, uh, you have experiences that lead you to that answer. But yeah. if I was shooting if I was shooting weddings right now, I would and if I knew that I would I would probably try to do like, you know, cosplay weddings or right. or weddings that included pets or just you know, because there's different segments of weddings that, that people, once in a while you'll see them, like they'll make the news, oh, this person did a mm -hmm. Star Wars wedding. It was so cool. It's like, yeah, that that could be a focus for somebody, you know, because although there may not be a big demand for that in your little town, uh, if you're talking about the country or the world, for sure. And if you're the one, then you're going to be traveling to those. Yeah. I, I had a friend who uh, was obsessed with medieval stuff and he actually got married on a horse wearing a full suit of armor. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so right? It was pretty awesome. Actually. <laughs> That's so rad. As a, as a wedding photographer, you would die for that kind of thing. Oh, That's totally. So cool. Yeah. Like that would go in your portfolio. That's what you'd show everybody if you're trying to do that same kind of stuff. Mitch, in the future, I want to see a Haunted Mansion Disney and Super 7 just released the three hitchhiking ghosts. I'd love to see what you do with that. You know, the, just a quick story. When I used to work at Disney, I, I um, designed and developed uh, these hitchhiking ghosts. And no part way. of the research, yeah, part of the research was um, I got to go to Disneyland before the park opened. And I got to I got to walk through to a, through a couple properties. One was the Pirates of the Caribbean. And then the other one was um, the Haunted Mansion. So it was super, I would go around taking pictures of them. So I have... Well, almost like 360 degree photos of them for the sculpture to work from. But yeah, Drew's eyes so just cool. rolled up into the back of his head when you said all that <laughs> stuff. Like, that's like his dreams come true. Dude, I am a, I'm such a sucker for specifically those two rides. Um, I love Disney. I love Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the original ride. I'm obsessed with the Haunted Mansion. I have like every Funko pop that is Haunted Mansion themed. And oh, that's great. I, I loved it. I love that story. I can't wait till you email me those photos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, this has been such a pleasure, man. So much fun. And I, I knew just when we talked back in June, um, you know, that you were, you were super special and, and you're just super talented. And I, I want to leave the audience on, uh, you know, I want to exit through the gift shop. I want to know where they can find you. And, um, you know, we referenced your Instagram page a lot. So uh, if you could let us know what that is, maybe your YouTube channel as well, so they could check out your behind the scenes videos that are upcoming. Yeah, sure. Um, so my Instagram, which is where virtually every one of my toy photos will be posted unless I can't from a client perspective, but <clears throat> that is at Mitchell Wu photography, M I T C H E L W U photography. And, um, that's the same, I think for my Facebook page. Um, and I kind of forget what my YouTube channel is, but if you go to my, um, website, uh, you, I have links to all my social there basically. So www.mitchellwutoyphotography.com. Cool. And we'll throw that in the description for the episode as well. So everybody can get to it. Yeah. We'll, we'll link all of that for everyone so they can easily access that. And Mitch, thank you again, man. So much for your time and so I, much fun. Thanks for coming on, dude. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to seeing what you do next and looking forward to those space jam images. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to those images. <laughs> awesome. Right on. Thank you so much. Guys. All right. Talk awesome, to you later, Mitch. Mitch. Thanks thank you man. so much. Bye. Man. All right. See Take you care. Bye bye. See ya. What a great guy. I love that guy. Uh, he's so much fun. He's so cool, man. And what like, a good dude. When I chatted with him last June, I like I said earlier, like I just knew that 
Like that guy's just rad. Like he's a friend, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. He's but, not an acquaintance. We've had a lot of acquaintances on here. We've had a lot mm-hmm. of friends on here, but you know, that guy truly is a friend, but he's so talented. I mean, I've, I've literally never talked to him. This is when we, when he picked up the phone, that was the first time I'd ever talked to him. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like he's a buddy now. Like, yeah. like I feel like we have a lot in common. Just yeah. a nice guy. Really easy to talk to. Uh, talented. Yeah. Man, super talented. When I go out yeah. there to LA and shoot that piece on him. I want you to come with. Okay. I think that'd be fun. Down. Yeah. yeah or you can at least edit it. Yeah. Or I could, or I could come with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening to episode two of the season three of the yeah, Take yeah. 43 Our podcast. First interview episode of the season. Absolutely. Presented by Rhino. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it's, right. it's been presented by Rhino, but I don't think we've ever actually said that. Yeah, it's we kind of have it on our cover, but I guess yeah. we don't really mention it much. Yeah. So I figured we'd mention that in season three. We got some new music. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, it, it's you have a kid and all you want to do is work. <laughs> i feel like i would take the opposite i would not want to do anything that's ever. how you are anyways so yeah i'm kind of lazy so if you guys don't mind just go ahead and leave us a review and a rating on your listening platform of choice and we're super excited to be back it's gonna be fun we're gonna have a good one i, I can feel it in my bones feeling it oh he's got bones <laughs> <laughs> thanks everybody peace take care peace.